Hello, and welcome to the Alternate History Class Podcast. My name's Andrew, and here I explore alternate history through the lens of a history class from another timeline. In this week's episode, we'll explore the background of our point of departure, the Battle of Antietam, why it was so important, and how the American Civil War began to swing towards the Union in September 1862. Slavery is often called America's original sin, and for a good reason. From the arrival of the first slaves aboard the White Lion to the Virginia Colony in 1619, up until they gained their independence, slavery was common across the British colonies that made up the United States. Slavery would also be a major divisive issue that drove much of politics for the first 80 or so years of the new nation's history. The South, being a very agricultural and rural part of the nation, used slavery much more than it was used in the North. And when industrialization came along, the North started to view slavery as an issue of the past, something that the nation could move on from. As they started putting factories for textiles and other manufactured goods throughout that region of the country. The South, on the other hand, did not embrace this new wave of industrialization, preferring to stay with its more agriculture-based society. This made slavery a regional issue, and as northern states became to become more and more opposed to slavery, and southern states became more and more defensive of it, the debate around it became much more heated and divisive to the point at which the nation would end up going to war with itself upon the election of a relatively anti-slavery candidate in Abraham Lincoln. Now, contrary to popular belief, Abraham Lincoln did not want to abolish slavery, or at least he did not campaign on it. He wanted to contain slavery within the states where it was already legal, and not allow it to expand. But the South viewed this as an existential threat. If they allowed this to happen, a constitutional amendment could be passed in the future that would abolish slavery and take away a large portion of the South's power. This led the South to declare independence to secede from the Union, starting with South Carolina and moving further and further along until most of the Deep South had joined in. 
than after the first shots were fired at Fort Sumter in South Carolina. Several more states joined, including Virginia, which would become a very central and key state where much of the following civil war would be fought. This civil war would start off going very poorly for the North, which, if you look back at it, it seems preposterous. The North had far more men, far more resources, and far more factories, along with more transportation. They had the infrastructure to win a war. But what the South had that the North didn't was tactically superior generals. Many of the United States' best generals had, for one way or another, come from the South, including the man that Lincoln was advised to put in charge of the armed forces by the current chief of staff, Winfield Scott. And that would be one Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was a very tactically-minded general. He understood how to use his resources to the best of his advantage. And that gave him much of an advantage in the early stages of the war, while the Union tried to find a general that would better fit their tactics. The most prominent of the early generals that the Union had was a man by the name of George McClellan. Now, George McClellan is well-regarded as a man who could train and prepare an army to become a well-structured fighting force. But he, seen, but he was also a very cautious general when it came to battle. He did not want to engage the enemy unless he was 100% sure he would win. This led to disastrous early campaigns, which caused him to lose command eventually. But he was given back command of the primary Union army, the Army of the Potomac, and went on in early 1862 to fight a disastrous campaign known as the Peninsular Campaign. Uh, in which he was outdone by Southern tactics and Southern information. Uh, He was deceived several times into thinking he was outnumbered or didn't have nearly enough men to do the job, at least in his eyes. Uh, This ended up leading to him getting driven back to... Maryland, the Washington, D.C. area. This is when Lee decided it was the time to go on the offensive, as he had chosen to side with his home state of Virginia and was given command of the Army of Northern Virginia, which would become the premier army of the Confederacy. Lee decided that the best way for the Confederacy 
to win the war would be to strike at northern morale and invade the north. Lee was taking advantage of dissent among the ranks of the Union Army and issued Special Order 191, which detailed plans to push into the newly proclaimed state of West Virginia and Maryland, from which he would then could potentially stage an attack on the north. Now, as he as Lee started to send his men out through these orders to start to take towns, uh, including Harper's Ferry, um, the site of the infamous or famous, depending on how you look at it, uh, raid by John Brown only a few years earlier. McClellan had gotten word that Lee was making moves and wanted to position his army better to be able to respond to it. After Lee's army abandoned their campsite around Frederick, Maryland, McClellan's army moved in. What happened next would change the course of the war. Private Barton W. Mitchell and Sergeant John M. Bloss found a copy of Special Order 191 with detailed Confederate troop movements allegedly wrapped around three cigars. This made McClellan enthused. He immediately began to move his army now that he had the upper hand. But as soon as Lee heard that he had lost a copy of Special Order 191, he assumed the worst and began to reunite his units near the Maryland town of Sharpsburg. It was here where the single bloodiest day of the American Civil War would take place. The battle itself, known as the Battle of Sharpsburg, but more commonly known as the Battle of Antietam, began at dawn on September 17th, as the fog lifted. Lee's troops, having been rushed together, were worn out, hungry, and many were sick. The battle would be incredibly bloody and incredibly brutal from the fighting on both sides. It would result in total around 23,000 casualties, including an estimated 3,650 dead in total. This is the single bloodiest day of the American Civil War. While later battles would go on to be bloodier, no other single day was ever as bloody as the single day the Battle of Antietam was. With the 
hits to his troops, we knew he could not fight another day and retreated back into Virginia. McClellan, to the rage and frustration of President Lincoln, refused to follow Lee. Lincoln would continuously order McClellan to pursue Lee to kick the army of Northern Virginia while it was down. And, a move, and if they could crush them significantly, it could all but end the war. But McClellan refused. McClellan was a war-weary man, but he was also a very proud man. And his refusal to pursue Lee caused him to be removed from, from command of the Army of the Potomac on November 5th, 1862. Now this battle holds a great amount of significance because not, not just what happened, the stopping of an invasion of the North by Lee, but also what would come after. The Union would declare this a victory, although most military historians consider the battle tactically to be a stalemate. With this victory, or the closest thing the Union really had to a victory in the war, Abraham Lincoln released the Emancipation Proclamation on September 22, 1862. This document declared all slaves in rebellious states to be considered free according to the Union. This had a dual effect. One, it ramped up the support of the abolitionists and uh, the rather demoralized North, but also guaranteed that France and Britain would not join the war. Now, we haven't mentioned France and Britain yet, but the reason France and Britain were watching this war carefully was because at this time, they were getting the majority of their cotton from the southern United States, from those states that were rebelling. And there were rumors that the British and French were looking to potentially support President Jefferson Davis of the Confederacy and pressure the United States into recognizing the nation to get cotton flow back up. Britain and France had long abolished slavery and did not want to be viewed as supporting the act of slavery as the Union had now made this war, not just about defending the unity of the nation, but about freeing the slaves in the rebellious states and ending slavery. The British and French would turn to find other sources of cotton, and the United States would eventually find their general, 
a general willing to utilize the superior manpower of the North to his full advantage when Ulysses S. Grant, who was given control of the Army of the Potomac after much success in the West, where he helped capture the town of Vicksburg, which essentially cut the Confederacy in two along the Mississippi River and won many, many of the Union's early battles. Grant's aggressiveness was labeled by his critics as butchery, but was exactly what Abraham Lincoln was looking for when it came to fighting Lee. Grant would continue to bash Lee over and over again until eventually Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse in 1865, which essentially ended the American Civil War. There was some fighting that needed to be cleaned up, but the Union had won. What if things had gone differently? What if the person who dropped those cigars had made sure he had them in the order that they were wrapped in? What if Lee was able to use the element of surprise to his advantage and pull off a daring invasion of the North? How differently would things have gone? That is what we will explore the rest of this season. Because I believe that things would have gone very, very differently. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alternate History Class. As this is a new podcast, I'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a review. If you enjoy the show, follow it wherever you are listening so you don't miss an episode. If you love the show and are able, you can support me on Patreon to search for Alternate History Class Podcast. There will be a number of perks available early access to episodes and other parts that we'll figure out later as we're just getting started. But lastly, I'd like to thank you for your most valuable gift of all, your time. I hope you'll join me next week as we journey down the path not taken.